0: I'm Don Wells, Onfolio CEO, and uh, welcome to episode seven of this mini-series. This one is um, probably one of the most interesting in that I'm going to be covering some specific things we've done that have been, well, things that we're proud of, things that are successful, things where we bought a business and we were able to do something cool with it, or we just were able to, you know, the, the purchase itself was cool. And I'm also going to talk about some of the things that we're not so proud of. Some of the the, the things that have gone wrong, some of the things where we failed. Um, just things that maybe only people who have operated as many sites as we have would have experienced. Um, Again, some of them completely our fault. We, we messed up. Some of them just completely out of our hands. And I think both of those will be equally important because while everybody kind of looks at themselves through rose-tinted glasses and thinks, I'm not going to make those mistakes. And it's important to know that um, sometimes not even something you can control. Some of these things, they're also going to be really kind of entry-level because I'm going to share everything that I have done successfully since starting on Folio, and we did start out fairly entry-level. Managing sites that were only making a few thousand dollars per month profit, um, and then obviously as we scaled over time, so they they may or may not be applicable to what we're doing now, but I think they're still important, and and maybe they'll understand how they'll help you understand how my philosophy has been shaped over the years as well. So in uh, in no particular order, I'm just going to get started with with all the successes. Got to start with the success first. I think the most exciting thing that I started out with was buying websites that had large amount of traffic and did not have any display advertising on them. And this is something which can still be a big win. Um, Essentially, maybe it's a website that got hundreds of thousands of visitors a month or tens of thousands of visitors a month and was monetized with maybe uh, affiliate content, um, so promoting other companies' um, products, but it didn't have any adverts on the site, so any any banner ads or anything like that. And banner ads can be pretty lucrative, but a lot of people either think they're not as lucrative as they are or they, they, they just have an aversion to them. We, we've all been on websites where we see annoying banner ads and we wish they weren't there. Um, so some people just don't want to put them on, but we've bought sites that were making $4,000 a month and added display ads to them. And within sort of 21 to 30 days, they were making $6,000 a month or $7,000 a month. So that's almost a hundred percent just by adding display ads on. Now there are some debate about whether display ads will get you more likely to get penalized and lose some of your Google rankings or whether users will hate them. So what you earn in display ads, you'll lose in income elsewhere. But it's very easy to test that. And our experience shows that actually it's usually not the case. If you just add display ads to your sites, then um, you can just make more money. Now we don't always do this strategy anymore because typically we're not just looking for these kind of generic sites that don't have much going on. We're looking for sites that have an audience who, who, uh, is a big fan of the, the business. And so in those instances, display ads maybe will be detrimental because you might make one or two grand a month extra at the cost of losing tens of thousands of dollars in, in other revenue because you're putting your, your audience members off. And so, yes, there's a sweet spot. So if, if you're operating these smaller content businesses, then it can be an amazing win. But if you're trying to do bigger things and create more amazing content, then um, you have to do it in the right way. For example, if you look at what the big publishers are doing who work specifically with advertisers – they make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, or maybe even more, just by charging large sponsorship. If you if you look at things like uh, Morning Brew, which I've referenced a lot, their adverts can cost fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars just for one or two adverts in a in an email newsletter. And so, <laughs> it kind of I guess it's a it's it's an interesting shaped curve. But essentially, you could say if a site is small, it can be a great thing. I mean, small in terms of revenue, uh, you need to have good traffic to make ads work. So a site could be small in terms of revenue. You add display ads to the site and it could double the revenue. And then if a site is getting a bit bigger, maybe the the gain you'll get from from display ads are not worth it because you might gain one or two grand, but damage user experience. So if a website is making 30 grand from uh, from affiliate ads or selling services, then they may not want to put on ads. But then if it gets a lot larger and the advertisers get a lot larger, suddenly it makes sense and is a very, very viable business model again. So yeah, that, that's definitely one of the quickest wins and it can be as simple as adding display ads to a site that doesn't have them or it can be as simple as changing the display ad network to something more lucrative. For example, removing removing AdSense and putting on Ezoic. Now, one of the other easiest things we've ever done with growing a business is simply just buying a business that's trending upwards because a lot of these websites and businesses are sold on their trailing 12 month profit. And so a business may have been making, let's say $5,000 a month average over the past 12 months. But the last five months it's making 7,000 and you might pay based on it making 5,000 and it's really making seven. And then if it continues that trend, it might be making nine without you actually doing anything. And then when you couple that with the fact you are going to do stuff as well, then you can really ride that trend. This is actually really an entry-level thing, though, because the types of businesses that we want to buy have stable history and have been around for a long time. And they're not just starting to kick off and the seller's thinking, okay, I'm going to get out while the going's good. Instead, we buy businesses that are much more mature and the seller probably knows about the fact that yes their business is valued on a trailing 12 month but they've also had a, an exceptional six months so they'll just ask for a higher multiple and so it just you're still going to be valuing it based on maybe the the last 12 months average but you're going to pay a higher maybe you'll pay 4x instead of 3.5 or you'll pay 3.5 instead of 3. So it's going to net out anyway, but that can still be a great business to buy because it's trending up in the right direction, which is uh, obviously a good thing. So I find if you're acquiring something in the 100k range then or or below, then it can be a great technique, but we really have grown out of the viability of that, that strategy. And also it's just not the type of businesses that we want to buy anyway. So it it doesn't fit in anymore. But it definitely was one of our early successes. Now, another good success we've had is actually, um, I didn't really talk about it in the last episode, but conversion rate optimization has yielded pretty good results for us over the years. And by that, I might mean uh, you buy the website, you see the pages on the website or the emails that are generating the revenue, and then you just make tweaks to them whether that's through split testing or or just intuition, but you, you make tweaks to them and it can increase the revenue. And sometimes, as I did mention in the previous episode, it can be as simple as changing the price or increasing the frequency of emails. Sometimes it can be a bit more complicated as doing some some deep dive surveys, researching what customers want. Sometimes there's a disconnect between the messaging of our offer and what customers really want or the, the messaging that customers are using and so changing that can can yield great results and the the best thing about conversion rate optimization is you don't always nail it on the first attempt you do often have to iterate multiple times but when you find an iteration that works well it can be something like okay the the fifth version of a sales page and they definitely follow power laws. So we're talking, you know, you could have a 2x or a 3x or a 10x improvement and that improvement will carry through every day. And, you know, maybe it took one month's work or even one hour's work. I think my record was something like a 500% increase just by uh, spending a couple of hours tweaking something on a website. And then some of the other best things we've had has been adding additional traffic Uh, Sources Which I did talk about again in the previous episode. So one business didn't have any Pinterest traffic. And after three to four months, Pinterest had grown to be 10 to 20% of that website's traffic. And it was a, a website that was monetized by display advertising. So every additional visitor to the website brings in some money. We had another website where we changed the display ad network, as I talked about before, but I guess I didn't give a, sp- an, uh, a specific detail, where the website was making around $12,000 a month, of which I believe 10000 was from uh, display ads. We changed network, and it made 20000 the next month. And another thing we did for that business was it was getting 1 million page views per month. So probably around 800,000 unique visitors to the website every month. And the seller hadn't set up any email because they just said they weren't good at email marketing. And we set up email. So just some simple email capture forms. We offered a free download. I'm sure you've seen them before, a free ebook. And the business was making, uh, and then the email list was growing by Around a hundred new subscribers a day, so three thousand a month, and then we launched some ebooks based on some paid ebooks based on problems that the people in our audience have said and we offered them solutions and that brought in a few thousand dollars a month more and then we just kept bringing out new ebooks and launching them and and so on and so the end results in all of these cases was often something that we had to just change one time or two times and yes sometimes we had to iterate to get it right but the results will pay you over and over again some of the other wins we've had include negotiating a higher payout with an affiliate partner or adding in a different affiliate partner so we might be the the business might be promoting one or two people and we add in some more or we replace some because we think a different one is better or yeah, someone pays us, let's say, $25 per sale. We can change, we can say to them, can you pay us 35 And it doesn't always work, but um, a lot of the time it does, especially if you're thinking of leaving or changing partner. And that can result in significant earnings increases as well. Bringing in paid traffic I talked about in an earlier episode has worked for us pretty well on several occasions. And also one of our secret weapons has been really just hiring good people to run the business. (laughs) It sounds obvious, but having people focus on your business who are talented are the best way to grow the business. Because yes, you can give them these playbooks and ask them to go through them and say, hey, try doing this, try changing that. But at the end of the day having the right person focused they'll be telling you what changes need to be made and they'll they'll be using their curiosity to think of uh, new ways as well in fact one of the first things we did after we raised money uh, in late 2020 was hired about half a dozen people to be Basically, mini CEOs and general managers of our our bigger assets, and some of them will run a handful of of businesses, and some of them will just be all in on one, depending on on their skill set and on the size of the business and the the requirements of the business. But four or five months later, I can see that it's the. It's the best hack you can have in terms of growing your your businesses, and and it's it's going to contribute to a large part of Onfolio's success. So being able to afford talented people and get the right bums in the right seats is um, absolutely a game changer. There. And now we can move on to the less fun part of the business, uh, sorry, of the podcast, which is talking about the things that have either gone wrong or the things that we failed to do. And hands down, the biggest thing that has impacted the results of any of our businesses has been Google. Second is Amazon. And really what that means is when you buy a business that relies almost 100% on the whims of Google's search engine ranking algorithm, then you really are at their mercy. And you can have a fantastic business in terms of the SEO, the the things you've done to show Google, hey, look, our business is great. Users love it. And they tweak their algorithm and your traffic goes down 10, 20, 30% overnight and your revenue along with it. Which is why I've hopefully done a good job of explaining throughout this mini series why we no longer want to buy businesses that just rely on Google and are essentially anonymous to the users who visit them. They land on the website. It could be called anything. They read some information and then they leave. That's not the type of business we want anymore. The same with Amazon. We, we had businesses that were making really good money. And then Amazon last year said, we're gonna reduce your commission from 8% to 3% because uh, we can. <laughs> and uh, that's you know, that's like a significant drop in, in revenue. And so then you have to ask yourself, do we look for other partners? Do we just try and grow traffic? Do we just take it on the chin? What, what can we do here? But either way, it's very frustrating when you don't have that control. And that's another reason why we really don't rely on Amazon almost at all these days. And it's a shame because they were a good partner over the years until they until they weren't a good partner. Now, some of the other things that s- sometimes these things have been our fault. Maybe we acquired a business that wasn't as good as we thought it was. Maybe something slipped through in our due diligence. Maybe we just bought something that was too reliant on Google and we trusted it's okay, it's a good site. Google won't, won't do anything to change that. <laughs> and Google said, hold my beer and uh, changed its algorithm and this website loses its traffic overnight. Uh, we've had other things where affiliate partners we work with who would be paying us for leads or you know, we're sending them uh, customers or candidates and they're paying us for them. Suddenly they just changed their standards and said, we don't want these anymore. We're not going to pay you buy, and you've got all this traffic and nothing to do to monetize it. When that happens, you just say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to buy this type of business anymore. And you learn and you change your philosophy to the philosophy that I've spent seven episodes explaining to you. And there's been other things that have just been our mistakes. Maybe we we bought a, a business, we changed some of its SEO, or we changed some of its content, didn't have good results. And we we changed it back. I've had a website where talking about earlier, like I was talking about earlier, we we thought, okay, the email marketing funnel is not very good. The sales pages are not very good. We're gonna redesign them. We're gonna redesign the ebook. And then it just bombed. It, it didn't make any sales, maybe it even made fewer sales than before. So you've wasted a bunch of time and effort. And yeah, you can go back to the old way. You can revert everything back to how it was before. But you it's still got to go down as a failure because you fail to grow, and again if you if if you have the the mindset that I talked about in the previous episode when I said we approach everything with a question in mind where we say, well, what happens is if if this fails, do we want to spend five thousand man hours working on it and it might only bring in an extra thousand dollars a month if it crushes it or nothing if it fails, then we're probably not going to do it." And so that really, th- that kind of mindset saves a lot of these mistakes. Um, but we definitely learned the hard way that humans have a tendency to overestimate their abilities. And especially if you've had a few wins, you get kind of survivorship bias and you say, I'm going to crush it every time I do anything. It's going to be amazing. And then it turns out uh, things are more difficult <laughs> than, than you expect them to be. Some other failures we've had have, have, have been just trying to do too many things at once, not having a good project management system, and when you do that, things slip through the cracks. And maybe customers ask for refunds because they didn't get a reply in a timely fashion. Maybe they weren't happy with the product, and well, there was an opportunity to to fix that, but you left it too long. They got upset, and then you know you just have to part ways. But if I had to summarize everything about all of our losses as I'm as I'm speaking through here, I would say the thing that connects everything together has been even the businesses where something's gone wrong and it was completely out of our hands has really just been that we should have acquired a different business. And, you know, this is really why in uh, the first few episodes, I, I talked about the philosophy and what types of things we're trying to buy. We're not just trying to look for some generic websites. We want real businesses. And it seems obvious, but in the space, there are people that seem to just not be aware of this, and they think of a business, a- an online business, is passive. And hey, I've got this thing that just reviews water filters, and it makes money, and it's great. But it- it's very dangerous buying those types of businesses because if Google says I'm not going to rank you number one anymore, I'm going to rank you number five, then your traffic dries up, and your income dries up, and you don't really have anything in your pocket that you can you can do you don't have any levers that you can pull whereas instead if you buy amazing businesses where they have fans then you just don't have to fear this and if if i look back sort of in my head right now thinking back to every big loss we've had and that could be a financial loss or it could just be something that just went wrong it's not always permanent but all of them came down to just not getting our acquisition strategy right which is why we now have a very sort of time tested weathered, (laughs) battered acquisition strategy, which has evolved into something much more robust, which sets us up for, perhaps it doesn't leave us as much upside because we're buying very strong, stable assets and yeah, maybe we can't grow them. But by now you should have got the message that that's okay, as long as you're not buying businesses that are going to die. I don't think we've ever done something where we just destroyed a business through our own incompetence. It was mostly just, we bought something and we were running it and something happened that was outside our control. And we perhaps could have avoided it if we had, well, frankly, if we'd avoided buying that business. And so this is really why the Onfolio strategy exists as it does. It's why we've evolved into a holding company. It's why we're going after audiences and customers rather than just generic traffic. And it's why we're trying to build brands rather than websites. And it's why I have this, this philosophy. And well, to be honest, I think this is a great place to end this mini series. And at the time of recording, I don't intend to record anymore, but if something else pertinent comes up, I will. (laughs) So if you're seeing this and there's more, more episodes listed in the series, then at the time of recording this, this was where I intended to stop because I think it really encapsulates everything we're trying to do, which is buy businesses where we are the keepers of our own destiny and where people will be upset if our businesses suddenly vanished. And as a result of that, their interest in the business preserves the long term future of those businesses. And so I'm Dom Wells, CEO of Onfolio, and this has been our mini series all about what we do some of the things we've learned some of the things we've learned painfully why we do everything and what we think about the future and how you can be involved and yeah thank you for listening thank you for your time